Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris. I'm joined with Scott Kalura today. We're going to do something a little bit different on Keeping It Real this afternoon. Uh, Jim is away. He's uh, living it up, living La Vida Loca <laughs> in in New York. So did you get a chance to see Mr. Stacks in town? No, you know, I, I was going to meet him last night to see Django Unchained, and my my train wound up running super late, and it was like, by the tr- time the train was going to get in, I, I was going to miss the screening, so it, it was not meant to be, unfortunately. So um, you don't have any insight on Django Unchained? I do not, no. The, the only insight I have is that Jim seemed to really like it, from what I could tell. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great, now we can't talk about that. I, I bet we can talk about some other stuff today. <laughs> I totally ruined the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you want to start with box office numbers from Let's last week? Let's do it. Let's do okay. it. Like so, we, like we normally do. Right. I think I've heard about that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part Two was number one for the third weekend in a row. It brought in seventeen point four million, so going strong. Skyfall was number two with seventeen million, and Lincoln number three with thirteen and a half. And then after that, Rise of the Guardians at also around 13 and a half. Uh, the, the horror sequel, The Collection, barely made it to the top 10 in its debut with 3.4 million. Ew. I, you yeah. know, honestly, that movie was not marketed um, no. much at all. No. Um, so I, that part doesn't actually surprise me that much. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I had said that Life of Pi was going to do great business based on word of mouth and stuff like that. And guess what, guys? For once on this podcast, I'm wrong. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, I'm, I'm wrong this week. Yeah, well, it was 12 million at number five, so I'm sure it, I'm sure you are right in the long run, though. It, it's gonna continue as it gets closer and closer to like awards season. Uh, as we get deeper into that, it's just gonna keep picking up because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's expected to get Oscar nominations and stuff. So. I think it could, you know, really contend for best picture. So yeah, it's gonna obviously if that happens, you're, you're going to see it in theaters for a while. Um, and, and you know, it's it's got a pretty robust budget. So um, coming out the first two weeks and being a little lackluster, it's got a lot of ground to make up. So it almost needs the best picture buzz to really, like, put it over the top. Right. Yeah, exactly. So those, those films, you know, they, they, they play the long game. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I don't think Ang Lee is, is sweating it yet. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I get the sense from Ang Lee that he's never really sweating it. <laughs> like Ang Lee just seems like one of those dudes that just does not sweat it. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> and that's cool. That's that's why we love. That's one of the reasons we love Ang Lee. Right. I love him for the Hulk movie that he made, which I know is not a popular Uh-oh. opinion to have. But... I think you should have sweat that more personally. <laughs> you might be right about I that. I think you maybe should have sweat some of the details on that one. I don't know. Man, that movie is on cable like every night. Like... I know, I know. <laughs> it like alternate cable like alternates between that and Ghostbusters right now. <laughs> like I find Ghostbusters infinitely watchable. It's it's, oh, yeah. it's putting itself to the test right now because literally every time I turn on the TV, it's on. But uh, almost every time I, I I I never flip past it really. I yeah. kind of I see it there and then I'm like, well, I could do this one more time. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is watching a, it 78 times, you know. <laughs> that's a perfect Jim uh, esque segue right there because nice. uh, Ghostbusters was in the news this week uh, as it usually is. Dan Aykroyd was talking it up again, uh, but whereas 
Dan Aykroyd is usually so kind of positive and optimistic about the, the film happening, Ghostbusters 3. This time he is a little kind of down in the dumps-ish about it. He, he basically says that it, he sort of threatens the studio in this interview he did with Esquire, where he, he basically kind of says, like, listen, if Sony doesn't move on this thing soon, they're going to lose guys like me and Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis, who, who are integral to it. We're going to move on to other stuff. And he also basically says what we've all figured out by now, which is that Bill Murray has completely separated himself from it and pretty much won't be back. Yeah, I mean, who knows, though? Bill Murray's Bill Murray. There's there's right. this, still this outside chance that he'll all of a sudden, you know, have a change of heart and just wander onto the set. Um, I could see that happening. <laughs> They'll have to figure something out. But, uh, but uh, you know, here's, here's what I think about Dan Aykroyd. I think he's a desperate man, and I think he's kind of like grasping at straws to get this project done. Um, I, you know, I, I think that, I think he's right in that there's a finite period of time in which it's viable. You know, if we wait like 10 more years, all those guys are going to kind of seem too old to do any of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I honestly think that he's right in that and that the studio should step up and whether it's good or not, I know everybody's worried about expectations, but whether it's good or not, like just do it, man, just yeah. do it. Yeah, it could be great. That's the thing. It could be great. And you don't absolutely need Bill Murray, right? And and like you say, he's also so kind of capricious that who knows, maybe once they actually make the thing, they could pull him in and, and get him to do like a Marvel type cameo or something where they actually, if they create a, a good product and after they're done shooting, they say, hey, Bill, look at what we made. Maybe he'd come in and do something then, you know, like a quick like post credits thing or something. So yeah. Um, it, 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 there is a, an air of desperation with Ackroyd, though, which is a little sad. I, I don't know why he feels the need to, to just cling to this thing either. It's like he should have taken the stance he, ta he takes in this interview like two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or uh, maybe 15 years ago. I don't know. <laughs> maybe before he made Ghostbusters 2. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take that stand. Yeah, but before you put the, the purple sludge all over everything. I interviewed him for... Um, a Woody Allen movie years and years ago uh, and he came into the room and of course even then we were asking him questions about about Ghostbusters 3 and I think I prefaced the question by saying something like how awesome Ghostbusters 1 was and he interjected and he was like well yeah and and Ghostbusters 2 is amazing but like he was totally straight facing it like like he meant it and I was just kind of like uh yeah okay moving on you know, like I couldn't bring myself to agree with him which then I was so awkward for the rest of the interview because <laughs> you have to agree in that situation right so I... well he found out about Vigo the master of evil <laughs> yeah oh, so, dude. Um, so uh, Star Trek Into Darkness there was a little little trailer this week for Star Trek you're what is known as a Star Trek fan. <laughs> you you are the person, you are the target audience for this movie, aren't you? <laughs> well, you know, the thing about, about the trailer is I feel like it, it was sort of designed not for guys like me, though, but more like for people like, I don't know, like my mom or something, like, or <laughs> like people who aren't into Star Trek necessarily. Right. Uh, it's sort of, it almost hides the fact that it's Star Trek. Did you think, kind of? I, well, I don't know if it hides it. I think it it. Um, well, I, I guess I can see where you're coming from with that, but uh, I think they are just trying to portray it as this like kind of kick-ass, mysterious, darker action movie. Yeah, 
Yeah. Which it's it's very cool as a trek long-time trekkie, long-suffering trekkie to see Star Trek get the the sort of budget and scope that it really deserves, that the concept deserves. I mean, none I, of the old on yeah. old movies look ever looked like this, right? Right, right. And you disagree, you don't think that it deserves you don't think it deserves no, it. I, I, <laughs> My favorite Star Trek stuff was always the more action-oriented stuff when I was a kid because okay. I grew up more as a Star Wars fan, you know. Sure. Um, but my mom was a huge Trekkie, and so I watched the whole original series. I watched, you know, the first like four, probably four seasons of Next Generation, and then that's kind of when I fell off. I went to college. I kind of lost track of Star right. Trek for a while, and then I came back to it, you know, later on. But um. You know, I'm not like the world's hugest Star Trek fan, but I have a love for it from, you know, the original series. So seeing it like reborn in this way. And I have to say, I liked all I liked most of the original movies with the exception of five. You know, even three was yeah. such a, was a treat for me. We had it on uh, um, on beta and that was probably <laughs> the beta that I wore out the most. That one, Superman three and Goonies. And, <laughs> Superman 3 is all about the, the junkyard fight between <laughs> bad Superman who's out there banging sluts and right. uh, and good <laughs> Superman. <laughs> My kid is always like, he, but he's seen that movie and he, for some reason he refers to the bad Superman as the Superman who wears black boots. And <laughs> I'm wondering if it's like some kind of costuming error or something or like some next level like reference to the fact that Superman bad superman bang sluts I, i'm not sure <laughs> well i mean it's just obvious he he wakes up in bed with one at one point in that movie and then he goes and fights a junkyard brawl i mean i my, my thing with superman well i mean i think the black boots are just like the black hat in any cowboy movie right but yeah. we don't need to get far afield into superman i, I was this whole thing was to say that I like I like the original series of Star Trek movies, but none of them went to this level. I mean, Khan kind of approached it, kind of approached like an action movie, but it was still ponderous. It was still Star Trek. This movie looks like, holy crap, man! They're tearing the lid off of it. Yeah, for sure. And I like that it looks different. I like that it looks like they're. And the trailer gives the impression that you're just you're not even into space really. I mean, for the most part, it's kind of right. like all earthbound and. I, I like it. I mean, I want to see something different. So, but you know, of course, a trailer is a trailer, and this isn't even the full trailer. So right. it remains to be seen what we're really getting. I mean, the trailer could be crafted to, uh, you know, make it look like one thing, and then you you see the movie and it's something entirely different. Did, so, what did you... so break it down for me. What do you think happened in the trailer? That's that's Gary Mitchell, right? I think that, well, yeah, because. I still, on some level, think it's going to be Khan, and yet the trailer tells me it's Gary Mitchell, and that uh, he, like, it's a, that hand in the Japanese trailer. You see the the sort of shout out to Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan with the two hands against the plexiglass, right? Yeah, uh, that's not obvious though that that's Kirk and Spock. You know, it could right. be, it could be other people. Right, and I I kind of think you're right. I don't think it is Kirk and Spock. I kind of think it's Spock and Gary Mitchell, or someone and Gary Mitchell. Yeah, Gary, Gary Mitchell died, or they thought he died, or something, and that—that's maybe the, the first nine minutes of the movie, maybe even that they're going to play with IMAX next week, uh, and that then he somehow is resurrected as this like Gary Mitchell godlike being, and then comes back. That's kind of what I got from the trailer, 
even though like all the inside sources still seem to be saying it's probably Khan. So, so I don't know. I'm confused. You think what, Gary Mitchell? Yeah. What inside sources are saying that? I mean, I've heard people analyze it like it's Khan because of the because of the glass touch at the end. But I'm like, that is the most feeble sort of reaching yeah crap I've ever heard because essentially like what you're saying is it has to be con because they reenacted this one kind of famous moment from two it's right. like they're borrowing all over the place from different movies in the original and you know it's not it's like you know you can't extrapolate from that who the villain is right and it's so obvious why why would they give it away in that moment uh I, the alleged inside sources that I keep hearing about are like from some of our competing website colleagues who all seem to have an inside source when it comes to this movie. And I kind of think there's a misinformation campaign because Abrams is so secretive that mm. they're maybe feeding um, false info, info to people. So well, are there, are there any, are there any actors who are unaccounted for in this trailer? You don't see uh checkoff uh, Anton Yel- Yelchin. No, uh, I mean any like sort of potentially villainous casting. Oh yeah, uh, Peter Weller is in the film, uh, and we had heard he's playing a, a businessman of some kind. Uh, but it, other than that, we don't know who he's playing, and and he's not in the trailer either, right? So what if uh, he what if he is Khan and he has a prosthetic muscly chest, and he's <laughs> wearing yeah he's wearing like long hair like extensions? That would be amazing. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that, if only just to see the outfit. And, and then if when... not, hey, buddy, if you're listening, PD, PD baby, um, if you're going to Halloween next year, I want to see this costume on you anyway. <laughs> yeah. and when... I just call Peter Weller PD baby. PD baby. And when shit gets real, he can put on the RoboCop visor as well. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay, well, you want to move on to some superhero stuff? Let's talk superhero stuff. <clears throat> the Man of Steel poster was was released featuring... Cal L himself in handcuffs. Oh, really? Uh, Nicholas Cage's son was in it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Sorry. Anyway. How awkward and uncomfortable, right? That's like if, like, I was really into the DC comics, The Spectre, at one time. If I named my kid The Spectre, like you, regr- <laughs> like you regret it like a year later, right? Hey, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I kind of feel like those people don't regret it. Yeah, well, because yeah, never di- will regret it. They're they're different sorts of people, aren't they? <laughs> Nick, yeah, you're, you're Nick Cage. You're barely even a human being anymore. I think. Whoa. I don't mean that's that in a negative mean. way. <laughs> that's just mean. Poor Nick. Now, if you meet him at a junket, you're gonna have to be like, "Sir, I said the whole thing about you being a space alien." Now. <laughs> I hope he's listening. That way, that I could talk to him about it. Nice. What what do you think of the post? I thought the poster was cool. Uh, people yeah. seem down on it. I don't know. No, I thought it was cool as well. Yeah. I mean, I, haters gonna hate. Yeah. That's what I say. I, I mean, honestly, I think it's just, you know, everything is so dissected these days. Yeah. You know, and we do it too, obviously, because sure. that's what we do. But um, everything's so dissected. It's like, it's a poster, you know. And I understand if people aren't excited by that particular poster. But it's like, whatever, move on with your life. You know you're going to go see the movie anyway. Sometimes it feels like there's a trend in general towards negativity like and like this sort of hyper 
hyper reaction to the smallest detail, I think, which yeah. where it's like, oh, this movie's going to blow. And it's like, well, you know, let's wait till we actually see the movie. Right. Like, like it is just a poster. Uh, and but yeah, I mean, I think the poster's cool. I like the concept. It definitely looks like they're doing something different. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll have to see. Uh, and on the Superman tip, a uh, big rumor broke that the uh, Justice League's villain is going to be Darkseid. Oh, Not yeah. Not to be confused with Darkseid. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Darkseid, who's a very uh, Thanos-type guy. Although I think Darkseid came first in the comics. I think he predates Thanos. But uh, yeah. it kind of makes sense Big that a big cosmic sort of villain, I guess, would, would be the the foe you, that you require if you're going to get all your heroes together, someone big like that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's definitely it's kind of kind of mirror the Avengers, I think, in a way. Um, and that's okay. I mean, I think they've they've proven that that is something that's going to work, you know. Yeah. So, well, I mean, they're hoping that something that is something that is going to work. Um, I guess it will remain to be seen, but yeah. I mean, I think that's a cool villain. I've been waiting to see that villain on screen for a while, so yeah, it's uh, have at it. Yeah, it's interesting because he is kind of, because he is like a cosmic sort of outer space dude. Uh, yeah, that's the his official term uh, description. Yeah. <laughs> um, it listed uh, that. <laughs> so it kind of goes against the more real world inclination of of the Dark Knight films, right? Or even what we it seems like Man of Steel is going to be. Uh, so it kind of begs the question, is this, is Justice League really going to be connected to Man of Steel in the Dark Knight world, as we have kind of heard in recent weeks? Uh, because it definitely is not a very Chris Nolan approach to go with a guy who, who lives on a planet that's called Apocalypse, right? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think that does have a lot of subtlety, though, you know? The, the planet called... <laughs> I can't keep it together. Yeah, I mean... It, you're right. You're right. I don't think um, I don't think Chris Nolan uh, was ever that literal in any moment of any of those Batman films. But you know, I I'm excited for Man of Steel. I'm excited to see JLA come together. I'm, I'm like cautiously optimistic for that movie. Yeah. I should say I'm cautiously just cautious. I don't know that I'm optimistic. <laughs> I don't know that I think it's going to come together the right way. But right. it'll be fun watching it try to. Yeah, sure. I'm cautiously cautious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm optimistically optimistic. <laughs> well, you're a, you're a glass half full kind of guy. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of, of cautiously cautious, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is deep into the casting phase. Uh, and they just hired the kid from Chronicle, Dane DeHaan. I'm not sure if that's yeah. how you pronounce his name or not, but he's the guy who, if you saw Chronicle, spoilers, he kind of, he doesn't use his powers for good all the time in Chronicle. Uh, so he's going to play Harry Osborn in Amazing that's a really, uh, that's a, That is a really diplomatic way to <laughs> describe his character. <laughs> I mean, his, I mean, whatever. He just tries to kill a shit ton of people. You know... That kind of that kind friends. of stuff. You might call him a super villain. I don't know. He's misunderstood. Yeah. Anyway, so he's going to play Harry Osborn. We don't know if he's playing. Uh, if that means Harry Osborn is going to be a villain in the film or not. But um, 
but uh, he is in the film as Harry Osborn. And uh, also regarding Spider-Man 2, Jamie Foxx said a few words about the fact that he's going to play Electro. Uh, specifically, he referred to Electro as a genius electrician type person. That's a <laughs> quote. So uh, <laughs> I hope he's we're talking about his his regular persona and not his super villain persona there. Yeah, it'd be really awesome if he was just like a super villain who was also a really good electrician. <laughs> and so the way he funded his whole super villain empire is to like just charge top dollar for really good electricity work. I don't even know what electricians do. Electricity work? What do you say there? Anyway, um, yeah. What if what if that's the case? Forget it. Let's move that, on. That would be great, man. It'd be better than the first one. Oh, sh- shit. He said it. Um, oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, okay. X-Men sequel. There's been a lot of talk about that. And now I guess director Brian Singer just flew down to New Zealand for the premiere of The Hobbit, which of course was shot in 48 frames per second, which was kind of a controversial decision. And now it seems as though Brian Singer is considering making X-Men Days of Future Past in 48 frames per second as well. I haven't seen The Hobbit yet. Have you, Chris? I have not. Okay, so... I'm, I'm guessing I'll be seeing it next week, so I have no, I have no like real opinion on it, and I yeah. haven't seen the 48 frames either. Yeah, I haven't either. So, um, yeah, it seems as though generally not getting the greatest uh, reception, the 48 frames. But yeah, I haven't seen it personally either, um, and I think maybe what it's boiling down to anyway with this, I mean, The Hobbit is kind of showing what what happens with the 48 frames, which is. If you want to go see it, there'll be a handful of theaters showing it in 48 frames, but you're still going to be able to see these movies in regular 24 frame presentation anyway. So, yeah, it feels kind of like a non-issue right now. Anyway, I don't think. Yeah, that... I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be too many people who are forced to see it 48 frames. Right. I almost think there's going to be nobody who's forced to. So. Um... <laughs> that would be yeah. That would be a. That's whole what they got going that. on Guantanamo right now. <laughs> It just has, they're waterboarding people and showing them 48 frames per second. But not, but not The Hobbit. They're showing them like 48 per se- frames per second, like Juana Man or something. <laughs> like something that would really make you sick, you know? Like, uh, I don't even know. It's, yeah, what's another what would it be? Like, those, um... those Fred movies, you know? <laughs> anything with carrot top maybe anything with carrot top man i didn't even have to make a carrot top joke this time <laughs> i beat you to it that's awesome uh <laughs> also over in the in the marvel universe the uh entertainment weekly reports that joss whedon has completed his outline for avengers 2 i so, like how the world has gone crazy enough now that we're reporting on screenwriters turning in outlines right which yeah. happens by the way in every single movie yeah right exactly no it's true and like even like it's not even just like the geek blog sites or anything i mean like mainstream press reports on stuff like this as well it's crazy right this is um it turns out that all those misspent years uh of our youth are paying off now right because (laughs) yeah reading out making outlines and (laughs) i thought you were gonna i thought you were gonna say like uh, that's not how I misspent my youth. But. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna. I thought you meant uh, like cataloging every issue of Alpha Flight instead of going to the prom. Oh, oh. Not that I know what that's like, but. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I like that you're not even. It's not even like 
it's not even like the most popular comic. It's Alpha <laughs> Flight. You're like, oh, I guess I'm gonna aspire to be Canadian. <laughs> Sorry, Canada. I know. Like, actually, I, okay. Let me let me just clarify this because I, I I feel like I might be coming across as kind of a tool. I love Alpha Flight and I love Canada. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying it's not the biggest book in the world. Let's test you on that. Who's your favorite Alpha Flight character? Um, I like Sasquatch. I think. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. yeah I'm down with that. I How mean, the, uh, the you know, what was the dude with the star on Polaris? Um, Polaris is that was that the guy? The guy who had the well, there was no um he North had sister star? Uh, North Star is that who you think of North yeah, yeah North yeah. Star and Aurora. I think I'm thinking of a snowmobile. <laughs> I liked Aurora because she was hot and crazy, at, all rolled up into one. Yeah, hot and crazy is also also good, <laughs> which probably can tie right right back into the whole not going to the prom thing uh that comment yeah right there (laughs) Hmm. so uh they announced that tron 3 seems to be moving ahead um disney's the 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 new boss at disney alan horn wants to uh he wants to make tron 3 uh, the sequel to tron legacy and they've hired a a screenwriter uh, to uh to move ahead on this on a script for this I don't mm. care at all. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought um, uh, Tron 2 was really pretty, but it was really lifeless. Yeah. Um, like, I, 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 and I also really, really hated the, uh, the you know, sort of, like, smoothing effect that they did on, and you know, putting sort of, uh, and it wasn't even smoothing. It was, like, the animating effect on Jeff Bridges' younger character. I just oh. thought that looked real bad. Yeah, it didn't really work, did it? Yeah. yeah, it's not yeah. so great. Yeah, uh, I, I, mean, I I agree with you. I mean, the the film looked pretty awesome, but uh, it's one of those. It kind of goes back to like what you were saying about Ghostbusters earlier. Like that's a movie you'll just rewatch whenever it shows up on cable. Like for a while there, I kept seeing Tron Legacy uh, showing up on cable, and it's just not the movie I would ever stop to watch again. Like just right. flip right past it for some reason, you know. So. Uh, who knows though? Maybe they'll get it right this time. Uh, I, I hope they do. You know, it could be. It's a cool concept. Could be great. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, Clerks Three is happening. That was announced today. Kevin Smith. Is, yeah, via his, Twitter. Yeah, his last movie. Apparent, supposedly his last movie is going to be Clerks Three, which um, that kind of also falls into the I don't care category. <laughs> I actually, you know, the thing is, is like, I actually had really low expectations of clerks too but i thought it was funny yeah, uh, yeah. i went to see it in the theater even and uh i was like oh god you know because I, I i feel like i you know in college i loved kevin smith i thought uh clerks was brilliant i thought uh um uh, rats was awesome and then it got to chasing amy and i think at the time i convinced myself it was awesome and then i was like wait a second right yeah Everybody's annoying in this movie, and I just didn't realize it. But um, so, I mean, and then I think from there it was kind of like a slow, a slow sort of drop off, or maybe a, a fast drop off. Um, and that, you know, I until Clerks Two, I feel like I didn't really care about any Kevin Smith movie. Right. And then Clerks Two, I thought kind of brought the old mojo back, if you can call it that. Right. Um, but it had that like really low budget, still indie feel. You know, even though they had like that sequence with like, um, oh no, that wasn't in that movie. I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I'm You're totally. Thinking of, 
thinking about Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, I thought you were going. You were thinking of an episode of Comic Book Men, maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, you know, anyway, I thought I thought Clerks Two is serviceable. Um, and so I think Clerks Three could be good, and especially if he's kind of like coming at it from that perspective, like I'm just gonna make this movie with my friends and you right. know try to be as funny as possible, and we'll see what happens. It's interesting with him. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure why someone decides to stop making films like that when you are, still have the ability to make films. Uh, people are still willing to finance his projects on some level. So um, it's it's interesting. I don't know. So his his hockey movie hit somebody that he's been talking about for a while. That got turned into a, a miniseries now. So that's why Clerks Three is now on the docket as, as hit somebody was supposed to be his last film and now. Um, Clerks 3 is going to be it instead. Of course, um, they already made a, a, a hockey movie called Goon. Did you see that one, Chris? I haven't, but uh, it's on the old it's yeah. on the queue. Yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet either, but I hear it's really good, actually. And it sounds as though Hit Somebody is sort of in the same vein, so I can't help but wonder if the boat has sailed on that. But Well, I, um, think, I think probably what it was, that's probably why it went to TV, is they were like, yeah, you know, Goon was released and wasn't like, didn't like tear the roof off of anything. Right. Um, and you know, this movie maybe is better is a better fit for TV. Although I could see it just not panning out on TV either, but I do think clerks three will get made. Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like comic book men is now his, that's yeah. his main thing that in the podcast that he does. So, um, <clears throat> and you know what? Like he probably doesn't need to work much more. So if yeah. he doesn't want to then cool. Yeah. Go for yeah. it, bro. He also makes a lot of money. I think or money. I don't know. I don't know if it's that, you know that lucrative but he he speaks a lot at places yeah you know so he does like kind of live shows where he's talking about talking about stuff talking about pop culture and i think yeah. you know that's something that um a lot of people really love and and you know i think i think that's uh he'll probably continue along that way too yeah i guess he's he still has a, a, quite a following so <clears throat> yep um seth mcfarlane is is going in the other direction, kind of, for, not from movies to TV, but from TV to movies. Uh, he obviously he, he this is the Family Guy creator who uh, had a big hit with Ted. Ted was uh, did really well for Universal, and so now he's getting ready to make a comedy western, which is called A Million Ways to Die in the West. And he he co co wrote it with the same two guys he he wrote Ted with, and he's going to star and direct in it. Um, for a summer 2013 release and it's basically contemporary humor of course uh but set in the wild wild west so i think that sounds like it could be great actually. yeah well i mean we haven't had too many comedy westerns i mean probably city slickers is the last one i can think of mm. um deadwood curly's gold <laughs> the legend of curly's gold <laughs> curly's gold just kind of sounds like a blonde guy's pubes <laughs> <laughs> or gold curlies, I guess, is what it would gold be. Curlies. Anyway, sorry, sorry for that, people. I'm. It's Friday, and I've been drinking a lot of Mountain Dew. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you've been drinking a lot of cough syrup or something. <laughs> well, that's that's usually Saturday. So. <laughs> so McFarland also says that he's he's got another Family Guy movie, kind of gestating. He, it's not really quite in a uh, pre-production phase or anything yet, but he has a concept for. Um, a Family Guy movie that he wants to make, and uh, he prom he spoke at uh, a college recently. I think it was UC UCLA, and he promised the crowd that it will happen at some point. 
and I guess uh, I guess Family Guy had a movie previously, which was a direct to TV direct to DVD thing, but with this sort of new cachet that he has after Ted, I, you can't help but wonder if a Family Guy movie would go theatrical this time. Yeah. Um, well, I think you know that's what I think, and, and and I was like a little more excited about the news than I think um, the average bear was, um, but. And I mean, it's not like I'm a huge Seth MacFarlane fan or anything, but I do think that a Family Guy movie in the in the movie theater at this point does make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Especially since, holy crap, man, Ted was like the number four movie or something like that of the year. Um, yeah. It it made so much money, so yeah. much money, and uh, you know, for an R-rated comedy, that's like pretty major. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't think that I think the studio didn't realize what they had it was kind of like came out of nowhere the success of that so and they are supposedly also making a ted 2 not surprisingly yeah um, that i guess will happen after the western but um okay i'm sorry i was a big liar i looked it up ted is actually number eight it wasn't number four it was number eight and uh 219 million um or yeah 219 million dollars that's still impressive number eight a, a comedy starring a teddy bear and Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah, number eight for the year. It was the first. It was the you know highest um, R-rated movie by a, a bunch. Like the next R-rated movie is tw- Twenty One Jump Street, which only made one hundred and forty, one hundred and thirty-eight million. Okay. So I mean, that was a very very successful movie for Universal, especially. Um, obviously, Avengers winning this year. And handily beating Dark Knight Rises, by the way. Um, and then Hunger Games 3rd, Spider-Man 4th, uh, Twilight 5th currently. Um, Twilight is going to overtake uh, Spider-Man, but it won't overtake Hunger Games. Okay. And then what we got Skyfall and Brave that kind of round out, you know, that bring us up to Ted. What was the difference between Avengers and, and Dark Knight? A Dark lot. Knight significant. Um, uh, this is, um, this is, I I think this is only domestic, but $623 million for Avengers domestic Mm -hmm. and 448 for Dark Knight Rises. Oh, wow. Not a contest people. Huh. As we kind of knew after the original, I mean, after the opening weekend of Avengers, I think everybody was like, well, Dark Knight's going to have a hard time with that. Yeah. There, there it goes. Huh. Interesting. Well, you know what? We're move. We're looking forward now. I don't, we want. We want Avengers two. We want Dark Knight four. We want Justice League. We want Avengers versus Justice League. <laughs> Dark Knight four. <laughs> the night just got darker. Yeah, Dark Knight four. The night just got darker, aka <laughs> Darkest Night. I want to see somebody's poster of <laughs> Dark Knight four. The night just got darker. <laughs> it's probably out there, man. Just Google it. You'll find it. Oh man. <laughs> I want that so bad now, now that I said it. Well, wait, let me, this is a, a weird aside, but I've, I sur- stumbled upon someone's Tumblr yesterday that was just devoted. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> what were you doing on Tumblr, Scott? <laughs> it was just devoted, and this is, sounds really creepy, but it was just devoted to Chris Pine's hands. Oh, I was- saw that too. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. What the but hell? you know what? His his hands are not that amazing. Like I I think everybody's like really up on his hands or something. What's so great about him? I know, man. It's not like they're George Costanza hands, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's move on to uh, Terminator. Uh, Terminator is back. The um, 
the rights to the Terminator series have been kind of stuck in kind of this weird limbo. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, Annapurna Pictures, which has made films like Zero Dark Thirty, which is freaking awesome, by the way, and The Master, films like that, uh, they acquired the rights to the Terminator. And so basically what's going to happen is they can now make movies, TV, games, merchandise, everything. They have the rights to the Terminator. But the interesting thing is this only goes until the year 2019, where apparently a new copyright law means that the rights to the Terminator revert back to James Cameron, who created the Terminator, of, co of course, back in 1984. So they basically have like um, six years to make Terminator movies, and then Cameron is apparently going to get the rights back unless something, some kind of legal mojo happens between now and then. But that doesn't really mean anything other than James Cameron will make even more money than God. Right, yeah. I mean, he'll basically, I mean, if he wants to be, you know, stingy about it, he can, like, take, you know, he can keep it to himself, but if, if you own the rights, you can still license them out to people. Right, And then that's get money true. from it. Right, and that kind of goes to like the the Superman issue that had been going on, where the um, the heirs to Superman's creator Siegel and Shuster had been in court for years trying to win back some of the rights. And I think you're right, Chris. Like ultimately, all even if Warner Brothers lost the rights to Superman, all it would mean was that they would then have to pay f for the right to c keep using Superman. Like you're not gonna that Joel Siegel's family isn't going to be um, uh, make suddenly start making Superman comics and movies, right? They still they just want some money. So, and I don't I don't think I can't imagine Cameron going back to Terminator. Can you? He's, I, you know, you never know. But I my my personal sense is that he's going to be on this Avatar track for a while. He keeps bringing up um, uh, why do I never remember the name of this movie? Probably because it's never going to get made. The battle. Oh, battle, um, battle, Alita or something. <laughs> I can't remember. I keep wanting to say battle engine Aquila, ba but that's battle, not it. Yeah, battle angel something or other. Yeah, right? yeah. Sorry, sorry, everybody, that we dropped the yeah. ball so hardcore on that one. No, it's um, ba it's battle angel. I don't know if we're pronouncing it correctly, but it's it's yeah, it's battle angel elite Alita A L I T A. Mm. I just googled it. Um, so yeah, that that sounded pretty cool. That concept, right? So yeah, I mean, I. It, he said he's going to still do it, but, yeah. you know, I who knows? Who well, knows? George Lucas had always talked about making three more Star Wars movies, and we figured that would never happen, and now here we are, right? They're happening. So, yep. Um, so you're right. Speaking of making more movies, Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim, which isn't even out yet, already has a sequel in the works. Uh, this is the giant robots versus giant monsters movie that he has coming. Uh, right. And uh, they've already hired uh, the first film screenwriter, Travis Beecham. He's going to write the, the script for Del Toro. So it's a certain sense of confidence in the project, I guess, from that news. Apparently, the studio is must at least be sort of happy with Pacific Rim. I can't wait to see that movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that movie sounds just badass. I, you know, I... You always got to take the Guillermo Del Toro projects with a grain of salt because he's got so much stuff. That's true. Um, so many and, announcements, right? Yeah, he's got so many announcements. So, you know, it, it's like I, I'll kind of believe it when I see it. Things, we'll we'll see. Yeah, and he also speaking of which, he oh, they just announced as well that he's 
supposedly his next directorial effort is going to be a ghost story called Crimson Peak, which he'll also be making with Legendary Pictures, who are the producers on um, uh, Pacific Rim. So um, it sounds as though it might be one of Guillermo's, like, he, you know, in the past he has kind of done big movies and then sm a smaller film like Pan's Labyrinth, maybe. And, uh, oh, did you hear about the uh, Pan's Labyrinth is going to be a musical? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did. I mean, gonna... all I saw today was a headline that said that, and I was like, okay, moving on with my life. You don't like that? I see. I like. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just think it's weird. I think it's yeah. very weird. It is weird. Apparently, he's like in on it though. Like he wrote, he wrote it or something. I don't know. So, and it's going to be Paul Williams writing the the lyrics for it, which I don't even know if anyone does. Anyone remember who Paul Williams is? Uh, uh, he was like the guy who he was in Phantom of the Paradise. Of you do. Paradise. You do. Yeah, from the <laughs> 1970s. He was <laughs> Google him and you know who he is. Um, but uh, and he also played an ape in Planet of the Apes for some reason, which is nice. weird. Um, Kristen Wiig might be an Anchorman, too. Yes. Which is pretty cool. right? Is there anybody who likes comedy who doesn't like Kristen Wiig? Honestly, the, just the devil. I think. Yeah, I mean, like, she's super mega funny. Yeah, like, she really is. She should be in every comedy. Kristen Wiig complimented me on my zombie shirt once, which was one of the one of the simultaneously happiest and saddest days of my life. <laughs> what was sad about that? <laughs> Just the fact that I was so psyched that Kristen Wiig was complimenting me on a zombie shirt. <laughs> then you realized if this is the high point of my life, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go climb into a bottle of makers right now. <laughs> So she, if it happens, it's still early days, but if it happens, she would play the love interest to Steve Carell's character, Brick Tamlin. Um, oh, so nice. That would be pretty pretty cool. So that, Anchorman 2, man, I can't wait for that one. I know, I know. I, You know, the, the, the problem is, is I'm, I'm we're, it's getting really worked up in my mind. And I'm yeah. trying not to think about how awesome it can be because in all likelihood, it's not going to be quite as good as the original. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Holding out hope, but trying to be cautious. Supposedly, it's going to have some musical numbers in it, which uh, will certainly bring some spice to it. Um, but uh, but yeah, you're right. You never do know. Um, Matt Damon. Lombada. Matt Damon kind of. Uh, I was surprised a little bit by by this that he uh, he kind of came out and admitted that he saw the Born Legacy, which is the Born movie that doesn't have Born in it. Uh, the, the Jeremy Jeremy Renner one. Um, usually, when you ask an actor about something like that, they their easy out is that they just say, "Oh, I haven't seen it," because they don't want to talk about it, right? Um, but he actually admitted recently. He talk, was talking to the playlist, and and he admitted that he saw the film. And uh, let me read the quote here. Uh, he said, "They asked him what you know how he thought it could, if he if Jason Bourne could come back as a result of um, the events of the Bourne Legacy," and he said. I think it's going to make it harder for us to make another one. I'm just trying to figure out, like, uh, because they used our characters, anything that happens in that world, that's Bourne's world now. So all that stuff happens, and it doesn't... He's basically saying that it doesn't quite add up, and he doesn't know what the story would be now that they've kind of gone to this deeper zone with, like, the... Um, with Jeremy Renner's characters sort of uh, genetically modified from the pills he takes or whatever so it's a little little more sci-fi-ish i guess right. so damon's kind of distancing himself from the thing from 
the Bourne franchise. And meanwhile, the producers have been talking since the release about how they'd love to do a Jeremy Renner, Matt Damon Bourne movie where they combine the two. And Damon doesn't seem too hot for that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it's not like I don't think he like totally walked away from that franchise. So, you know, it's not I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think when he was done, he was like, this is the last Bourne movie I'll ever make. I don't no. think he ever said that. I think he said, you know, like, I'm not making this one. Um, so, I, you know, understandably, if you're like the face of a franchise, I could see being upset. But, yeah, you're right. It's pretty rare for somebody to come out and actually state that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. horrible. Yeah, I didn't that's... see the movie, but, you know, I also have very little interest in seeing it. I think he, you know, I think he took those movies pretty seriously. He made them with Paul Greengrass, the second and the third one anyway. Oh, I mean, I've seen all the Jason Bourne movies. Uh, I never saw right. I haven't seen Legacy. Right, yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a sensitive thing for him. I don't know. Um, maybe he wasn't too happy that they made the Renner film. Who knows? Or maybe he just got, he was caught on a bad day and he made made a mistake in an interview. Um, and, you know, said I like mistakes in interviews. I think I, mistakes I in interviews, like, actually make interviews worthwhile. Yeah. And I love it when people just can't, just can't help themselves. Like, you ask the right question, and then they're like, well, yes. let me tell you, because it's I got to get this off my chest. It's true. It's hard to get that, too, man. I mean, as you know, like, especially when you're talking to a movie star like Matt Damon, like, those guys are so polished and so used to talking to the press that, you know, they can be on guard. And um, and so when you when you do get that, that nugget like that, it's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, speaking of movie stars, we just debuted the poster for Tom Cruise's uh, sci-fi movie Oblivion, Oblivion, which the poster it is pretty cool, right? I, yeah, I, I dug it. I thought uh, that was pretty pretty neat, as the kids are saying. No yeah. kids are saying that, but <laughs> there's a lot of scope. Oh, not scope. There's a lot of scale to that poster. Yeah, and I, I like the tech that's in it. Like, yeah. there's this weird, like, you know, almost like Tie Fighter looking weird contraption. Yeah. It just looks, yeah. I mean, the image is very evocative, and I think it looks cool. Yeah, the ship. It's a ship, or it's something. I don't know what it is. It's like all rounded. It's like a Tie Fighter, but it's like almost like all the pieces are round, kind of. And um, and he's standing in front of kind of a sort of a destroyed New York City or a decayed New York City uh, with a giant waterfall coming off the Empire State Building. You have to see it. Go to go to IGN Movies and check it out if you guys haven't seen it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And the, the tagline is Earth is a memory worth fighting for. So we'll see what that means. That's actually from the Tron Legacy director, Joseph Kaczynski. So um, that's almost like it almost, to me, it kind of evoked a little bit of Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Like Earth has fallen to some other force. Yeah. yeah and, sure. uh, and it's like humanity has to remember itself and, and get on the ball or whatever. Yeah. Tom Cruise has to has to remember humanity for us as only, <laughs> as only he can <laughs> he is uh, more than just a mere human after all uh, he and also... Nicolas Cage apparently are <laughs> have ascended to some other plane being <laughs> right I don't think Cruz named his kid after a superhero though as no, as no no <laughs> Suri there's no superhero named Suri right <laughs> not yet anyway we also did a, a a little story on the site which which really proved to be quite popular where we were linking out to a, a, a poll that's going on over at Rift Tracks which is the um, uh, Rift, Tra Rift Tracks is the 
it's basically the guys from guys from Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's what they do now, where they it's Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of thing, where they do commentaries on terrible movies, and they're doing a, a poll about the what do, what are the worst movies of all time, and it really sparked a lot of a lot of discussion on IGN. Yeah, um, lots of conversation about the movies that were there for voting. I mean, yeah. from my perspective, it's like they're there to be voted on, you know. Right. Um, so you want to include. Or the movies that are that will that people are galvanized against. Like, for instance, I, I don't think it's the worst movie ever. I don't even think it really belongs on a worst list. But like, I have this like sort of distaste for Forrest Gump. That <laughs> and I just I it's just never like loved that movie. Yeah. And I think I disliked it even more because it beat Pulp Fiction mm. yeah. at the Oscars. And I was like, how yeah. could it do this? Yeah. Um, which is admittedly a stupid reason to hate a movie, but like you know, there's some of those some films that you just they don't connect with you, and I feel like a lot of people will be voting along those lines, which is like maybe not the right thing to do, but I totally understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your worst movie of all time? What do you think is the worst movie you've ever seen? Oh my God, the worst movie I've ever seen. Well, it kind of I guess it probably changes all the time, just like the like my best movie. Uh, that I've ever seen cha will change, but um, right now the worst movie I've ever seen would probably be uh, City Slickers Two: The Legend of Curl Curly's Gold. <laughs> good old, <laughs> good old Gold Curly's. I don't know, man. I'm not sure. What do you have one? It's not. Uh, you know, worst. we screened a movie here at at, at IGN. We do these things uh, during lunch sometimes. Uh, we were calling them C movie screenings because yeah. it's like below B level, and you know we we watched Jersey Shore Shark Attack and Sharktopus and um, all kinds of movies like that. But the one that I have to say is the worst worst that we've ever watched is Birdemic. Um, just inept in every way, uh, terrible terrible pacing, terrible dialogue, terrible. Just technically, it is a mess. But yeah. beyond that, the story sucks terribly. The effects are so bad. And um, it's a really pleasant experience, though, from the perspective of this is so bad, it's a masterpiece. Right. It is a masterpiece of bad. Right. Well, that's the thing. But like, so you get to something like Troll 2, right, which they made the documentary best worst movie about. And it's like it becomes it's so bad it becomes transcendent where, it, where it's great, actually. Right. So I think the most offensive movies are the movies that do nothing, that are inert, that are just kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, like a, a movie that truly fails that was going for something but truly fails and there you can tell everybody involved with it has passion for it. I think that's a way more interesting movie than, you know, something like The Real McCoy or, you know, um, some of the uh, – there's a lot of movies that came out in the 90s that were like Mod Squad and crap like that. Yeah. It just yeah. feel like nothing. Feel like yeah. nobody had creative input into it. Uh, or movies that just have like marketing behind them completely. It's yeah. just you know it, you know that movie had nothing to do with creativity whatsoever. Um, it had everything to do with selling something to somebody. Yeah. Um, those are the movies that suck the most for me. But the worst movie, like I would still say, the worst movie I've ever seen is Birdemic. But that doesn't make it my least favorite because I like that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well that's kind of like we were talking that's sort of like what we've been talking about doing an article on um uh the um like what whether we, the lucy, best guilty that, pleasures yeah lucy on our team our australia team is going to do this i think 
best guilty pleasures. And the first one that came to mind for me was the Beastmaster, which <laughs> yeah. you can't say that it's a really say it's a good movie, but I no. love that movie, man. And it certainly pleasures <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, you want to move on to the box office? Yep. Let's okay. <laughs> get some box office pleasure while we're at it. So it's a pretty, um, pretty light week in terms of, um, uh, new releases. The only thing that really is getting a new wide release is playing for keeps which is the gerard butler jessica beale romantic comedy that that thing looks like vomit in a sock yeah man gerard <laughs> butler man. What, hap- what what do you mean what happened he's been he's been doing terrible movies ever since 300 pretty much right he's I mean, never done a good movie well i don't know about never but he's really like oh, we were talking about like fire your agent as a feature yeah um or as something we talk about gerard butler fire agent dude yeah man yeah you know some good movies you know and he i mean he was around for a while before 300 making a lot of crappy movies as well Uh, (laughs) so it was almost like that was his chance i don't know so anyway that so that i'm sure no one listening will be going to see that but if you do please enjoy it and then there's um, (laughs) a please enjoy it for us (laughs) and then in limited release our boy bill murray uh plays fdr in hyde park on hudson yeah so um which i haven't seen uh Jim saw it. He said the movie itself not amazing, but uh, Bill Murray's performance is really good. Yeah. So um, those are kind of the really the the two new releases worth me- worth mentioning. Um, which, which means Twilight's gonna win again. Yeah, probably right. Yeah. Twilight and Skyfall, I guess, will be kind of in the top two two slots still, most likely. I guess. What? Okay. So recap again. What did Twilight do last weekend? Um, Twilight. Did four? Uh, I'm sorry. Twilight did 17.4 million. Skyfall did 17 million. Lincoln did 13 and a half. Wow. Well, I think it's going to be a weak box office this weekend. But I, you know, I think I think probably um, Twilight's going to do about 12. And then um, I, you know, it's going to be. I think it'll just be like it was. Twilight 12, 11 for Skyfall. Um, and. I don't see either of those movies. Maybe, you know, maybe... What's the name of that Gerard Butler movie? Playing for Keeps? Yeah. Maybe that gets, like, $9 million. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think... I would tend to agree. Not, I think it'll still be Twilight up there at maybe, I don't know, 11. Um, Skyfall, uh, pretty close. And, you know, I feel like they're splitting it, kind of. You know, you got the chick flick thing going for Twilight and then the Skyfall dude thing. So, I don't know. Skyfall maybe at 10 um, Lincoln kind of maybe around 8 mm-hmm. and then um, see I don't know I'm not sure that playing for keeps is, yeah I don't know I, I, I almost think playing for keeps isn't even going to make it into the top 5 wow. um, so I would, I'm going to put playing for keeps down to around 6.5 nice so, alright well there you go um, alright cool so great thanks a lot for listening guys um if you want you can uh check us out over on itunes and and uh um and until next time thank you scott for joining us and uh we'll see you at the motion pictures later